Welcome to Writers Talking, the podcast where we take writers and readers behind the scenes, sharing the stories within the stories. No scripts, no filters, and no holds barred as we talk about what really happens for writers as they write, edit, publish, and promote their work. Hi, I'm Anjanette Fennell, agent, editor, and writerly mentor who's worked with hundreds of writers to break through their creative challenges to uncover the stories they feel compelled to share. Now, let's get talking. Emma Gray is a novelist, feature writer, photographer, professional speaker, and accountability coach. She's been writing fiction since she first fell for Anne of Green Gables at 14, and is the author of the YA novels Unrequited and Tilly Maguire in the Royal Wedding Mess, as well as I Don't Have Time, co-authored with Audrey Thomas, and the parenting memoir Wits End Before Breakfast, Confessions of a Working Mum. She wrote her first adult novel, The Last Love Note, in the wake of her husband's death. It's a fictional tribute to their love, an attempt to articulate the magnitude of her loss, and a life-affirming commitment to hope. Emma lives just outside Canberra, where her world centers on her two adult daughters, young son, loved stepchildren and step-grandchildren, writing, photography, and endlessly chasing the Aurora Australis. Nina D. Campbell is passionate about words and women's stories. She studied theatre and literature at university, where she's held the position of women's officer alongside notable South Australian feminists Natasha Stott Despoja and Annabelle Crabb. As a professional writer for the Australian government, Nina wrote ministerial speeches, briefings, policy papers, and communications materials before a midlife health challenge reminded her that life was for living, not just earning a living. Having left the paid workforce, Nina now writes fiction full-time. Together with her partner Bruce and their spirited Jack Russell Terrier Molly, she lives nestled between a world-class wine region and the sparkling sea in South Australia. Nina's debut novel, Daughters of Eve, is described as an unputdownable feminist revenge thriller. It was included in the Sydney Morning Herald's list of books to look out for in 2022, and Marie Claire's top 10 reads upon its release. Rachel S. Morgan is an award-winning fiction writer, screenwriter, and emerging television showrunner. A former entertainment journalist and recipient of the Josephine Ulrich Literature Prize, her previous film and television credits include Wanted, Mako Mermaids, and The Bachelor. Rachel writes a lot of things, but has a particular penchant for drama that makes you laugh, comedy that stabs you in the feels, stuff that is high camp, and scary AF and historical fiction. If there's magic, pop stars, or vampires in the mix, all the better. She's soon to release the first book in a brand new rom-com mystery series through Daring Press and is currently developing a diverse film and television slate that includes her new dark comedy TV show, Disgraceful. Disgraceful is also her current novel work in progress because she doesn't think she has enough things on her plate. Rachel likes yoga, tattoos, and cheese, but not in that order. Mostly, the cheese comes first. Because NaNoWriMo is coming up, I thought now's a perfect time to actually talk to writers, like the three of you who are all experienced. All of you have at least given NaNoWriMo a go, but it's more. No, about, I've never. I you've never done it. No. Oh my goodness. Well, maybe no. you don't need it. <laughs> you just do it anyway. The, the, the sort of questions I was going to have you guys dive into sharing a little bit about: How do you organize or store your ideas? And if you use 
use any particular tool or software. So especially when you're thinking of, I've got this big goal, a goal being, even if I am a binge writer, Emma, thank you so much, because I think you've given multiple people permission to be a binge writer and you don't have to write every day. However, if you have the goal of doing something like NaNoWriMo, even if it's not in November, but a different month of the year, and you say, I've got this amount of time, I want to maximize it. I'm going to sit down on a daily basis to write. How do you choose which of those ideas? And then is there any tool you use to help you on that path? I can jump in because I'm really strange, I think, in the way that I approach it because it's a real feeling process for me. I feel my way into a story. I feel my way into an idea. So when I do feel the urge to sit down, it's usually a story that is pulling me towards it. And it can be a character or an image, like a sense image that I get. So I don't tend to get so much of a physical image, but a a sort of a sense of the atmosphere or emotion of a particular setting or interaction. And that will be what pulls me to the page initially, that I know that there's something that has kind of a beating heart, has a sense of wanting to be written. And that's what will pull me to that that project. And for a long time, I used to do that thing where I tried to drag myself to write every day and I tried to, on a particular project, and I'm fairly linear, I have to work from the beginning to the end. So for me, it's about finding, and it's a really subtle sensory experience where I just go, no, I want to write this. I can feel my way into it. It feels alive. And that's how I, that's usually what pulls me to the page. And if I, and initially I struggle with words, like initially I'll be kind of, doesn't quite capture that, doesn't quite capture it. But once I find my way into that story, it tends to flow very easily. Whenever I sit down, it comes to me and it works really well. It's, it's interesting. And I know because I I know each of you, I know each of you have multiple projects. So how does that work when you have a little bit of a feeling on one day (laughs) or multiple days, but you have another one in there too, right? I know right now you have at least two, if not three, because you've got these, there are these ideas and maybe one is bigger and one is not as fully formed in terms of feeling or that sensory experience you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So where do they, to that other part of that question where do you store it do you write it down with a pen and paper do you have a um, I do have I have file. multiple uh, books around the place where I'll put little ideas down but I have learned over the years that I very rarely go back to them I think it's mm. the act of writing that embeds it in a part of my brain that I can access later so um so it, it is very much a, a sense of programming my brain I keep them between my ears they I've, I've tried writing things. I've got um, false starts of, of different projects that I have on my, um, so I save um, each of my projects in a folder, in a writing folder, and they have, when they become something that I'm actually going to write properly, they usually get a number so that it pushes them Ooh. to the top of the list. Yeah. Um, and then there's something that will always stay sort of top of mind. Um so yeah so that's that's kind of one of the practical things that I have is the way that I version control and the way that I write where I write and I only write in word but I am because I'm so driven by that sort of sensory experience of a story to find my way into it writing the stuff down is just kind of facts and those facts can change as I come back to the story I might find so when I started this particular story there was a Um, a girl walking down the beach and then when the second chapter when I sat down to write the second chapter I was quite surprised to find this totally different character turn up and 
um, and want to be written. And I know that there's another character who's sitting in the background going, I'm coming, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm here, and, and I know how I interact, I know how I get into the story, I just don't know quite where she turns up. Oh. So um, I keep them in my mind so that they can move around. Yeah. Uh, and it's one of the challenges that I find when I'm talking about the book out in the world is that for people who read the book, it's a fixed thing, it's a... Um, mm. It's words on the page that make the picture in their head, but the picture in my head morphs and changes at different times. So I know things about the characters that aren't in the book that inform what happens in the book, yeah. um, and that can sometimes change. So it's yeah, it's kind of yeah. a weird world <laughs> creating <laughs> yeah, them and sir. actually making them stop. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Well, thank you for being so honest about how. It worked for you. I think it's really hard too, because when you are in the process and doing it, you're not necessarily analyzing mm -hmm. what your process is. Although saying that it can be good sometimes when you're in the space between stories to have a think back and remember what worked and what didn't. And you guys know that I take you take writers through that process to remind you and or to reveal to you what actually works for you, as opposed to what, when you read other people, including writers that you admire, just because we admire them and we love their work and, or their voice may be similar to ours or what we aspire to their process to get there can be totally different, right? You don't necessarily need to try on somebody else's clothes. Um, what about you, M or Rach? What, how do you organize or stir your ideas. I know how I see them because you have to <laughs> communicate them to me in a particular way. But what is it like for you with your different projects? Where do they go? How do you know? Well, it's currently quite a mess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think I've realized in the last few months that I cannot do what I have been doing, which is which has been feeling all creative following the path you know I mean before this call I went to um I was in my novel that I'm finishing answering some proofreading queries this weekend and I somehow clicked out of that and there was the final page of the children's book I'm also <sighs> working on and I thought oh I forgot about that and started working on it you know and it's just <laughs> because it's there and <laughs> and so my attention has you know it, it needs corralling in in some way so I recently um, have started using Dabble, which is one of those um, programs like Scrivener, but less complicated because that's another thing I, I can't overcomplicate. I, mm. I wouldn't use all the, the features that I know um, other writers love in Scrivener. So Dabble's sort of a, a more streamlined thing, um, which has helped me at least start to put the projects in one place um, because I have historically been quite disorganized in where I store them on my computer version control can be a problem hmm. all of that so I, I think it's time to sort of uh, potentially grow up in this area <laughs> I think I've got to let go of that whole romantic notion that creativity you know involves a sort of messiness because actually that's just turning into a bit of a headache. And, um, I mean, this morning, as you alluded to before, I, I was proofreading and I could hear this awful sort of noise coming out of the kitchen and I realised I was making coffee 
and had forgotten to put the pot underneath the filter and it was just all over my bench coffee everywhere so you know <laughs> there needs to be something something needs to change <laughs> and so that's a process that, that is happening at the moment where I'm just gradually getting more and more um, organized in the way that I store ideas because there are just so many and then there's that fear that you'll forget mm. the great ideas you've had and um, to be able to come back to them and find them in one place is going to be a lot easier I think. I was going to ask a silly question that when I think about it, I've answered it. How can you remember something you forgot? But has that ever happened to you where you thought, I know I had this great idea hmm. and it's fully gone, it's but I just have a sense well, it, of it? It tends to have gone and then and then you'll something will trigger the memory and it's more, oh gosh, what else have I forgotten that could be potentially an idea, you know? So <laughs> I the think, anxiety, that's yeah, the anxiety so. <laughs> talking. I don't know if it's the truth talking, but yeah, I, I hear yeah. you with that. Yeah. So um, I'm really interested to hear what everyone else does because I think um, we can always learn different ways of doing things. But um, as for you, your um, experience, Nina, of feeling your way into the story, I loved listening to that um explanation because it feels a bit that way to me and I feel as though I've recently been driven by deadlines to the point where I haven't been able to explore the new story um that freely and that's what I'm really looking forward to next is the next step I love that I think it's interesting when you were talking about wanting to find a really um structured way of doing it I was thinking yeah I'm I'm not sure that would work for for me because I've got, I used to keep um, on paper all of the ideas I had for stories. And when I go back, I look at them and they don't actually look the same. Um, Mm. They don't have a way in for me if they're not actually immediate. So, um, so, and I'm not sure whether that will or won't work for you. Um, It'll be really interesting Mm. to find out how Dabble actually works for you. I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Mm. That's interesting. What about you, Rach? How do you, how do you store? And of all of these lovely writers here, I have to say, I'm pretty sure you have the greatest number of potential projects <laughs> partially worked either in script form or breaking this down or it's there here and there. How do you store all that? It, even before you get to the which one am I feeling like writing now? I don't know whether having being the one with the most projects is a good thing. You win. You win the most projects award. I win at there's so many things. Um, I mean, yeah, I think I counted them up the other day because I have a document that is um, what I call my slate, which is my fiction projects and my film projects and my TV projects. And there were 38 of them and that's that's not and that's the ones that are vaguely fleshed out that's not including the ones that are loose kind of ideas so the I'm not I don't think I am going to live long enough to be able to do all of them I think I'll have to live to about 200 and and I'm constantly coming up with new ideas so um I know some of them will just you know fade or fade away into memory I guess but um I don't know. I wish I had a clear answer for my, it, maybe it, it is it. organized. It, it's 
organized chaos. It, it really is. I, I've always been a little bit old school. I love notebooks. I have boxes around my apartment that are filled with notebooks and each project has its own notebook. And then I have a master notebook that has all of the projects listed in it. And it's, I, I then, then I have, I have voice notes on my phone because I come up with things when I'm walking um, and obviously I can't type while I'm walking. So I record voice notes. And then when I get home, depending on what project that was for, I will note that down in the notebook. I have notes, written notes on my phone. Um, so I have, it's, it's, it's not very organized at all. It's just, it's very fragmented, but there's stuff everywhere. Um, and then I, did try Scrivener. So I started using Scrivener for Disgraceful when I was working on the novel of Disgraceful and it's very complicated and it took so long to set up that mm. that just I just found that really demanding. I've tried using Asana, which is like a Kanban board um, for organising work tasks. Yeah. And again, that took so long to set up and then, and then I haven't looked at it since then, so it's useless. Um, I find... I go back to the notebooks mostly. I do. I do have on my on my Mac. Um, I, I have a folder for for all of the projects that I've actually started working on, or that I've written a one pager for, or a particular pitch document, or an outline. Once I've actually started doing the writing, that's all on my computer. Um, but anything that's kind of in idea form and is just percolating in my brain, um, it, that it's in a notebook, and I hand write it. Um, yeah, and, that, and I find that for me is the most organic and it feels alive in the book until it's ready to be actually on the page, I guess. I think that's really, look, obviously I'm biased. I'm a huge stationary fiend. And so <laughs> the idea of notebooks, I love. I What I was really appreciative there and I thought, oh, that would be a concept of doing the voice memo, totally guilty, take voice memos. I have some that are many years old. I don't mm. think I've ever listened to them again. So just the part of you taking the voice memo and then transferring it yeah. is, is amazing. So well done you on that. And also thinking about what if rather than looking at it as chaos, although it can be, but if what you're doing is processing. So Nina talked about having a lot of it just in her mind, you know, in her internal processor. And, but every time we write it down and I get this as well, I enjoy writing it down. I might, I don't might, I have multiple calendars mm. and I use an electronic one. And I depend on that one because I need an actual noise to tell me something is coming up or like a reminder, mm. but I have a month calendar and I write it down. And then I have another paper <laughs> that's next to it. That's a year one that I also write it down. And I used to really internally chastise myself for all of this extra work. Number one, I actually just enjoy it, right? Mm. I choose a different colored pen. Thank you. Friction yeah. pens for being erasable. I choose a different colored pen. I like the act of writing it and it helps process it for me. Mm. 
Well, I mean, I have I have my diary as well, and I write, I've, I'm very much one for my to do lists, and I will write mm-hmm. on each day. I write, you know, the name of the project I'll be working on. So if I'm working on Disgraceful, if I know I'm going to have time on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I put that at the top of each page, and it's just a little reminder that that's what I was planning on doing that day. So yeah, the to do lists, and yeah, it's I, I think it's that act of getting it down on the page and out of your brain. Um, and with the notebooks, it really is that, like as Nina was saying, it's that percolating. It's it's I've got to actually think it through to the point where I'm ready to actually write it. And that's mm. a lot of plotting, but a lot of figuring out about the character as well. And if I haven't done that, I don't feel like I can sit and write. I'm so not a pantser. I can't work it out on the page. So isn't that it's interesting though, isn't it? When you say you get it out of your brain and put it on paper. I'm not actually sure that's what we're doing. I, I, I've read somewhere that um, there's like the neuroplasticity and the way that our brains um, form around activities and things that we do with our bodies have a really strong impact on that. So I've read about um, a guy who talked about walking, the act of you know standing upright and walking as human beings fundamentally changes the way that our brain wires itself and that the act of walking is part of the act of creativity for a lot of people mm, um, okay. is a really interesting reflection. So I and mm. also the act of journaling. There's been research done that sort of says actually writing things down moves them around in your brain, so they go to mm-hmm. different parts of your brain. Yes. So I wonder if the act of writing is not about coming, being able to come back and read it, or and maybe for you, Ange, the act of speaking does the same thing. So when mm. they're, speak they're it, different. For me, actually. So when we say, when somebody says they're having trouble with writing or they're looking to get inspired or they're, they're writing to your point, you'd said something like that's, if that's not quite the, the picture, that's not quite the picture, like that's not quite it. I'll ask them to try to talk it because Mm -hmm. that actually accesses a different part of the brain. I don't know if that's the same part of the brain as movement, but I do know that the writing and the talking are different. So if you are mm-hmm. looking for a revelation or an aha or just a shifting stagnant energy, sometimes doing the other that you mm-hmm. haven't been doing, like telling someone is where you'll get, especially in copy, by the way. So if you're looking for a title or this or that, mm-hmm. sometimes just saying what you're talking about, they're not necessarily giving you the title or the copy or the aha but by talking it out, all of a sudden it comes to you. But I also mm-hmm. do a lot of that talking voice memoing while I'm walking. So mm-hmm. those are combined. So interesting, it's, Nina. It, it is. And, and what you're just saying, Nina, about um, just the neuroplasticity or the way your brains work or different types of movement. I don't know whether this is, is connected, but it made me think of this. Um, when I'm mapping something out, that's very new or I'm, I'm trying to to fathom a story or I'm um, trying to get a first draft out um, it was a really long time before I could do that on a computer and I still struggle sometimes I find because I mean I'm, I'm nearly 50 I mean we all grew up in the age where handwriting was that was what you did you know before computers I still find because I'm literally a two finger typer, uh, I mean, I'm very fast at, with, two, with two fingers, but it's still two finger typing. Um, I'm not a natural typist. So I find I often can't write a first draft straight into my computer 
I have to write a lot of it by hand because I find if I'm on my computer, I'm having to really think about what I'm doing with my finger. It's not a natural connection. I find when I'm writing by hand in a notebook, it's like there's an organic or just a um, organic's not the right word. It's uh, it's a, a, a more perfect connection from my brain to the page it's like I'm on autopilot or I'm auto writing because my hand is just moving of its own own accord so my brain is literally connected to the page whereas if I'm on my computer I feel like there's a disconnect between my brain and the page and it doesn't quite flow as well it's getting better the better I get at typing sorry (laughs) are you looking at the keyboard Rach or are you looking at the screen when you're looking at the keyboard yeah Mm. see that that's because I'm a touch typist, my yeah. dad, bless his heart, for my 16th <laughs> birthday, bought me a, t- a type. It was called Type Quick, and it was on the. Oh, old I wish I'd done that. And that, yeah. and I remember thinking, wow, that's really. I mean, you also got me a watch, I think. But so <laughs> it was a nice birthday. <laughs> just that. But I remember thinking, okay, and honestly, best thing he ever gave me. Mm. And so, it's one of the things I wish I knew how to yeah. do. I wish I could touch type. I think it would make a huge difference. Well, because then you, you are looking at now. the story on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Well, look, and learning how to touch type might actually be easier, sorry, Scrivener, than <laughs> learning a new computer program. Again, whatever feels fun. So for anybody wanting to use Scrivener, I had a, a reach out from another company recently. Um, I'll go check them out a little bit more. I'm wary of ever recommending anything that I don't necessarily use. But having said that, I'm not quite two fingers. I might be like six fingers. Oh, I think I'm, I'm actually touch, four fingers. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not a touch typist, but that is also one of those things. And I reckon I took a typing class in high school. So I don't know how I passed it because I don't do that. But that could be a skill that may change things for you. Like we've said, between binge writing and not binge mm. writing, if you're okay with what you're doing and you're feeling good then keep doing that but it's so interesting isn't it I think the way that we actually pour out because for me typing is the one that feels the most natural because I've done so much writing Mm. professionally in my life and I I'm a touch typist because my mum wouldn't let me um be unemployed she told me I had to go (laughs) and do a typing course if I was not in a job so I learned to touch type when I finished school and that was like you, Emma, I'm just so grateful for it because it does make such a difference. And I often feel when I'm writing a story that I'm reading it. I'm just the first person reading it when it comes onto mm-hmm. the page. Are you the same, mm-hmm. Emma? Yeah, yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah, so but at the same time when my neck was, when I had my neck injury and I was unable to type for a year, I was going absolutely crazy. And so that was, I think, when I created the rooms in my brain that I keep story in because I just had to walk um to try and dull the pain and because I couldn't write I had written the first draft of a book but I couldn't actually write the adjustments that I wanted to make to grow that book and so that book grew as I was walking around and around and around with my dog um, around the property that we were on at the time and I think I tried drag and dictate and just said no no that's not going to work it just doesn't work for me I have to have a keyboard But I was talking um, to a friend of mine who's a psychologist who has also injured his neck and had to stop writing uh, using a keyboard. 
And he said it took him about a month. And now he is so fluent writing. He writes all his reports by dictating them and then getting them typed out. And I was thinking, yeah, neuroplasticity again. You have that ability to change the way that you work in the world. So, you know, you might be able to learn to touch type Rach and then move on to a different, Mm. like a faster way of working in that space so that you don't have to then transcribe. But, you know, I really should get my act together and try and... (laughs) try and reteach my brain to work in that verbal form i'm the same as you nina with with verbal form and i i i tried dragon dictate as well and maybe i gave it you know 10 minutes of a go i thought this is not for me which is clearly you know hopeless so it's definitely about anything else that we ever try to do and learn to do it's from practice and i'm sure that we would get better at it if we gave it a proper go Mm. um and I've got friends who who actually managed to write an enormous amount of words, mainly dictated. And, and a fr- one friend in particular who dictates in the car on the way to work every day and at lunchtime while she's walking around in the car on the way back, and she had a goal to write a million words in a year and she was getting close to it. Oh, my goodness. Wow. All through dictation. Wow. And, yeah, another friend of mine just started to do it and I think... I've noticed her volume increase and I think it it does make sense because that's, you know, that's where we first learn our relationship with words is verbally. So I think if we could reaccess that, we may well become more prolific. I think the big difference, and we've talked about this in other places too, the authors that I've talked to who've been forced to find another way. That's what you were talking about, Nina. That's what your Mm. friend experienced as well. We've had other authors on the podcast that the same thing happened. So you always have to, again, have a bit of self-compassion and see that not opting in and giving up, as it were, in quotes, isn't a bad thing. Sometimes we need an extra nudge. It's always nice if there's a change we want to make to do it before the universe makes you (laughs) make the change. But ultimately, it's about prioritizing that storytelling and if you have a way that's taken away from you you will find another way to get the stories out that's Mm. what I absolutely love about each of you that it isn't necessarily what's happening externally when it comes to traditional publishing or some other thing you've never stopped storytelling Mm. right And that's what's so important. That's what I want more writers to recognize. You know, you're a writer if storytelling is just number one, part of how you process the world, which maybe there need to be more studies around this, especially with neuroplasticity, like Mm -hmm. is storytelling. There was a, a Joan Didion book. We tell ourselves stories. How do we, how does it, what's the title? We tell ourselves a favorite. We tell ourselves stories in order to live. Mm. And I feel that deeply. Yeah. Oh, well, that's, it's, that's one of the first things I would tell my students when I was teaching screenwriting. The, the, the very first foundation course that I taught was about why we tell stories as human beings. And it's just a fundamental part of being human. We tell stories every minute of every day in every conversation that we have. Um, you know, there's I think dolphins also tell stories. There's a couple of animals that tell stories. But but human beings, we cannot survive without telling stories. We just don't realise we're doing it most of the time. Yeah. yeah. But even if we go back to that original question, 
I love that each of you has a slightly different way of doing it to differing levels of, of maybe feeling positive about your particular way. I think we always, by the way, strive to have it be cleaner or easier or better or less chaotic. But ultimately, if it's kind of working for you, it's totally okay if you're getting to where you want to go. But knowing that there is no one path, there's no one perfect software. By the way, Mm -hmm. the software doesn't write the story. And I know there's AI out there. Research it if you want. But I have heard (laughs) some of the utter rubbish that AI comes up with when it is writing a story. And it is no match because, of course, we've told it. It can learn, but it's not the same no, right. it's always a pale, it's always a pale reflection oh because we're one, one of the things I always say when I'm talking to writers is that the most, and it, I learned it from you, Ange, that the most important thing to do is to delve into yourself because the best stories are the ones that are deep and they tell us something essential and true about being human. Mm. And, and a machine can't do that because it's not human. Yeah. So it no. can approximate it and copy it, but it's just recreating versions of things it's read it's not ever finding its own well at this point and if it does then it may become oh my god and it may destroy us so let's not go there yes that's not and it's it's interesting what you were saying about finding the positives in the way you work even if it's chaotic Mm -hmm. got harking back to um the talk about typing before and me working from a notebook and maybe i should learn to touch type the the fact that i write a lot by hand first the positive i take from that is when i do then transfer it over into my computer that's it satisfies my editing brain because I I give it a little edit as I as I write it so I get to do that little kind of that's why my then my first essentially my first typed draft my typed first draft is clean because I do that little edit as I as it comes out you hear it everyone you're hearing Mm. it right here this is her (laughs) trick and this is how she writes a clean first draft it's my secret (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's not really a first draft (laughs) (laughs) but it I mean it's still it still is it still counts as Mm. the first draft I think putting that extra energy in and again other people from outside can look at that and think what a waste but again the reason we tell stories first is for ourselves right? So you are getting that catharsis in multiple ways from doing it the way that you're doing it. You could probably be faster, maybe another way, or maybe not. Maybe if you typed it straight in, you would have to spend more time somewhere else Mm -hmm. in changing it. Because to what you were talking about, Nina, about AIs not being able to hit that soul level, what we Mm -hmm. long for, is truth. What we long for is connection. What we long for is being seen. And we have to see ourselves. And if we're not digging deep and we're just putting words on a page, there was that conversation we had in the past uh, podcast M where we were talking about people who really turn out books. If they love it and they have readers who love reading it, that is great. And I think everyone deserves to have whatever life, as long as they're not impeding, impeding on others, they can do that. However, I think the majority of us are doing it for a deeper reason or a bigger reason. And so, you know, I'm always going to tell writers, I want you to challenge yourself, be at that place where you're a little bit nervous about putting that out, because Mm -hmm. that tells me you're sharing something 
that really needs to be shared as opposed to the light and fluffy stuff. There's still going to be plenty of people who want that, but we are seeing more and more and more, especially everywhere <laughs> with book sales, people wanting more truth, which can be fiction, and yet it's reflective of your experience. That means there's light and shadow. It's probably why the three of you two uh, all have a sense of that shadow and light. The humor is in all of your writing for each of you. And, and you're also not shying away from some of the heavier topics, which is what's so resonant about your work. It's not just, and for listeners, I'm going up to my brain again. It's not just light, superficial stuff. Yeah, there's fun and humor because we have to have humor to get through some of the crazy, we'll call it chaos. We'll be kind and call it chaos. But we've got to have some of that lightness to get us through. As somebody recently said, you've got to be able to see the ridiculousness. <laughs> of all of this to be able to make it through. And you're also not backing away from the other stuff. So when we talk about organizing thoughts, maybe it does take a little bit extra. Nina's got these different um, compartments or different rooms. I love the, the thought of that. Each story having a different room in your mind. And it's sort of like a, a fun house. A certain rooms sort of shift themselves forward when they are ready to be opened, but mm. it's always living in there, developing. And Emma, you've got maybe multiple things opened or it's just whatever screen opens on your <laughs> computer at any given time. And then you give your, um, your attention to it. And I have faith that there's a, a deeper reason for it. And again, using, is it dabble or mm. dabbler, dabble? Um, just see if that works. If it doesn't take too much from you to learn how to use it to help you feel more connected and in control of your writing, um, but always leaving a little bit of wiggle room. And I, I know that there's plenty of that in your life. I don't, I don't worry yeah, I don't about think that. We're in danger of, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that. of, of having no. You've got everything in full control. I mean, that doesn't <laughs> exist, people. And then Rach with tons of notebooks. I mean. There's nothing wrong with that, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I would be screwed if my apartment burnt down. Although it did make me think too, to your worry, uh, Emma, about like what if the the idea goes. I do think that if you never had the memory and it never went, it just never was meant to. A la uh, mm. Rachel's. I'm going to just call them thousands of ideas. <laughs> um, that's probably closer to, you know, to truth. You know, you know um, just, not, just not written where she can see them at the moment. We, we're not doing a hard count. But some are meant to come to fruition and, and others aren't. Mm. And so part of that moving forward, I think some of the fear is I won't do the one that should be done, but that doesn't exist. It can't yeah. exist. If it is fully formed, then it will exist. And if it wasn't meant to, mm -hmm. you will forget it. And that's okay. Yeah. We're making choices all the time. So we'll keep this kind of short this week. So hopefully people have gotten enough, whether it is an idea of a program or learning how to touch type 
regardless of how old they've gotten. I mean, we're both sitting here 49, Rach, and we're the not touch typists in, in the group. Okay. Um, but we could learn it if we wanted to, or saying, you know what? I'm kind of okay where I'm at. And I don't have to have it all locked down a particular way for me to go from start to finish. For those of you who are giving NaNoWriMo a go, try to have fun with it. Maybe if we can just have one comment from those who have done it, or it, I don't know, Rachel, if you're going to try it this year, yay or Yeah, no. yeah. I think, but, I, I think I'm going to do it this year. The, the rom-com I want to try and I'm actually starting it today, this new joyful project. I'm going to take a step away from some of the difficult stuff and just write something that really makes me feel good. And this is whispering to me. So I'm going to start it today. And then I'm going to try to use NaNoWriMo to, you know, crack it out. I love it. Um, and Emma, what would you say? I know you've done it at least once the full way for, through. What's your best yeah, advice did it, for doing well, it? That, it's just, well, I did it for the teen, the first teen novel yeah. that I wrote and I got three quarters of the way through it and then my house flooded. Speaking of, <laughs> speak, like, controlling everything? Flooding. Yeah. <laughs> it was flooding, the pipes and the ceiling burst, oh, so it was goodness. raining through several rooms of the house. Uh, that threw me off a little bit. <laughs> but at the end... <laughs> Funny but that. <laughs> at the end of that month, while I didn't manage to write in that last week, I did have something like, I don't know, 40,000 words or something that Amazing. I wouldn't have had if I hadn't thrown myself in. Mm. So even though it was incomplete, mm. it didn't matter. And um, and in order to fit that in around life and work and everything else that was going on, I just put, did it first up in the day. So I did it, got up um, not super early. I just made sure that I wrote before I started work. And... That sort of is how I did it, and it and it really helped. And I'm going to give it another go this year. I love that. What about you, Nina? Um, just to be gentle with yourself, that if you don't make the mm. sixteen hundred and whatever it is words um, in that particular day, don't tack them on to the next one. I tried that, and mm. all it did was it made it really start to feel like a dead weight on my shoulders. Yeah. Um, and once I gave that away, I realised that yeah you're aiming for that number of words a day. If you don't make it, if you don't get to 50,000, don't beat yourself up. You still have a substantial um, amount of words there and and you should just, yeah, enjoy the wins. Don't don't focus too much on the, the days that it rains inside your house. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes there are bigger other things that are happening and it's okay to not write your, it's 1,667, which sounds absolutely crazy to me. Some people can get through it, but to what you were saying, Nina, and for any writer trying it the first time or the fifth time, whether you've succeeded or not, it is really about knowing that what you're saying by engaging is I'm prioritizing this for myself and I'd like to give it a go. And it's a month of discovery. Maybe it's discovering more about the story. Maybe it's discovering actually, I don't like getting up early and I'd rather, you know, forego an hour of sleep at night. Maybe it's discovering that you want to do something else altogether. I don't know, or a totally different story, but going into it, as Nina said, giving yourself that self-compassion and not putting too much pressure on yourself and just look at it as, Ooh, what am I going to find out? about myself or my writing process, you can make it a book. 
Emma has done it 100%. It can be done. Um, but it isn't only done if you succeed and get those 50,000 words. You can still make a book out of it no matter where it goes. So thank you guys so much, as always, for coming and chatting with me and sharing a lot about your process and maybe sometimes things that you hadn't really thought of uh, with other writers and readers out there. And until next time, hopefully we will catch you on another episode of Writers Talking. It was a pleasure. Thank you. It was lovely. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Writers Talking. Join us next time for more writers in conversation as we delve into the writer's process, their passions, and a little bit about their books. Don't forget to subscribe on your fave podcast player and follow us on Instagram at writers underscore talking underscore podcast.